All right, Shabbos, say good morning, good morning. Let us begin. Begin by thanking all of our sponsors for this morning's share. To thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Elul. Jerry and Sarah will ask you for dedicating all the Shemin Shashos this month. In the Schuss of Rafushlima for Zechariah Dove Ben Peril Shira. To thank the Tilson and Wall families of Eretz Yisrael for dedicating all of the Shiurim and Joshos this month in the uh, in the Schuss of all of uh, of all of our children who are Zoka to get married. Baruch Hashem over the course of this summer. Truly Al Havai, we should all be Zoka Merz Hashem to celebrate many Simchas with our families. In the years to come, to thank Shani and Avram Kelman for dedicating all the Shemesh Rashos this month in memory of their beloved parents, and in the schus of all of those who need a refuah shalima. Well, so with that, let us begin. We have a lot to do today. Another fascinating daf. Today's daf is Tes Zayin sixteen, and we are picking up in Meretz Hashem on the bottom of Tes Vavam Ludvays fifteen B. We left off actually two, four, six. Seven lines up from the bottom. So remember again, in yesterday's daf, we had an interesting machlokis between Rabbi Yosef Lili and Rabbi Akiva, namely regarding what happens or, or the, the distinction between an Eved, ultimately again, who is redeemed by family members, versus an Eved who is, who is redeemed by others. At what point in time does an Eved, when he's redeemed, go free? Versus at what point in time does he become a servant to the people who redeem him. So this is a fundamental machlok. It's now the Gemara introduces a third opinion. Up until now, we've been focusing on the opinions of Rabbi Yosef Lid and Rabbi Akiva. However, the Chum say, the Chum say, any time that you redeem an Eved Ivri, remember again, when speaking over here, we're talking about an Eved Ivri, a Jewish servant who was sold to a Gentile master. The Chachamim say that any time you are redeeming an Eved Ivri, by definition, he goes free. He goes free. That is true whether his relatives are redeeming him. That is true whether, whether others, achirim, meaning non-relatives, are redeeming him. He goes free. The Yumar says, Man Chachamim, who are the Chachamim? Rebbe, it's Rebbe. So first of all, Rabbi Akiva, excuse me, the Chum used the word Be'ila, ultimately again for a different drasha. Umikra Nidrash, Beina Lefanov, Beina Lacharov. And I'm also going back to yesterday's daf, the way the Chum or the exegetical principle that the Chum use is they dash in the Pasuk, every phrase ultimately modifies the one before it, as well as the one after it. I, Rabbi, Hai, Viyotza, Bishnas, Hayova, my Avidle. What does Rebbe do with the phrase that says that the Eved will go free in the, Yubo, in the Jubilee year, the Yovel year? He needs it for the following. The Yodza B'Shnas Yovel. Ultimately, the Eved will go free in the Yovel year. Top of Tezayim. This was the interesting thing that I think was bothering many of us in yesterday's daf. Here the Torah is talking about a Jewish servant sold to a Gentile master. And yet, what does the Torah say? When does that Eved go free? When does that Eved go free? In Yovel. Yovel, but in other words, we're talking about a non-Jewish master. So what does Yovel have to do with the non-Jewish master? We're talking about a non-Jew who is living as a member of Jewish society. As such, he's bound by Jewish conventions. For such an individual like that, to what we call Tachas Yadcha, literally underneath your dominion. I maybe it's by Stamenovit Kochavim Stamenanju, who's not living by Jewish conventions, not under your control. Amrit, 
says that if you have a Jew, a Jewish servant, who is under the control of a non-Jewish master, that if he is not redeemed, he goes free at Yovel. Obviously, we're talking about a non-Jew living in Jewish society under Jewish law. Just to understand, so remember... This, this is the way Jewish society functioned for, for a long time, right? Remember again when, when we had a monarchy? So it wasn't all Jews living in Eretz Yisrael. You had plenty of non-Jews. Plenty of non-Jews. So what, what body of law did those non-Jews operate under? So remember again, obviously a non-Jew is not, is not bound by the 630 missus, but Lamai says something called the Gertoshav. I said, Gertoshav is a Gentile who lives in Jewish society, who accepts Shev Missus B'nai Noach, the seven Noachai laws, as well as accepts the the obligation to live under under the dominion of of Jewish rulership. So that's the situation that the Gemara is describing here. So we'll say, so bottom line, three way machlokas about what happens when you have a Jewish servant, a Jewish servant, ultimately going ahead and working for, or I should say, the servant of a non Jew, a non Jew. So machlokas Rabbi Yokiva, Rabbi Yosiaglili. When he is redeemed, does he go free? Or ultimately, again, does he, does he go ahead and work for someone else? So basically, Rabbi Akiva have their machlokes. The Rabbanon hold that halacha the Rabbanon hold that no matter what, he always go, goes free. Now, I will say, this is actually an interesting machlokes. How do we paskin? So the Rambam, the Rambam, um, the Rambam in Hilchos Avadim, Perak Beis, Barak Beis, Halacha Vav, writes as follows. So he goes through, so first of all, the Ramam writes over here that if a, if a Jew is sold to a non-Jew, ultimately, again, the first obligation of redemption is upon the Evet himself. Right? The goal is the Evet should try to extricate himself from those circumstances as quickly as possible. If he's unable to do so, the next obligation rests upon his relatives, if he's unable to do so, ultimately again, acherim, acherim mitzvah al kol adam Yisrael of Toso. There is a mitzvah upon every Jew to redeem a Jew who is in servitude to a Gentile. I will say, if you think about it, by the way, it's an incredible metaphor as well, right? The Jew being sold in servitude to a Gentile is the metaphor for getting yourself into difficult life situations when you get yourself into a bad spot in life. Whose obligation is it to extract you from that bad spot? And the answer is you. The answer is you. Whether you, say, whether you got yourself into it, didn't get yourself into it, when you find yourself in compromised situations in life, the obligation to extricate yourself is on you. If you can't do it, who's obligated to step in? Family. Family. If family can't do it, who's obligated? Claudia. And that's what happens with, an, with, with a Jew who is sold to an Akum. Now, both say, now the Ramam writes, Ben Shabadu Akrovim, Ben Shabadu Shar Adam, The Ramam Paskins like the Rabbanon, who the Gemara identifies as Rebbe, that when you redeem an Eved from his Gentile master, Halacha Lamaisa, he goes free. He goes free, no matter who is redeeming him, his family, relatives, Ultimately, again, he goes free. Good. So we'll say that's the Raman Paskins. Let's go back there. Ubishtar. Next. So remember again, the Mishnah said, the Mishnah said that an Evet Ivri is acquired through a Shtar. Says the Gimar Minolan. How do you know that you could acquire an Evet Ivri through a Shtar? Amr Ula, Amr Kra, the Pasuk says, 
Imacheres Yikachlo. Rebbe said, now this Pasuk is by Amo Ivriya. Let's remember again, we spoke about this a little bit, that Halacha Lamaisa, that when a person purchases a Jewish maidservant, there is a quasi-expectation that when that girl comes of age, the master is going to marry her. Has to be to marry her. And therefore the Torah says that if you marry your Amo Ivriya, that obviously once you marry her, she's no longer your Amo Ivriya, she's your wife, right? But if you marry your Amo Ivriya, and then you decide to marry another wife, make sure not to mistreat the Amo Ivriya. If you go out and you marry an additional wife to the girl, in addition to your Amo Ivriya, then ultimately, do not diminish any of the marital obligations you have towards your first wife. So what do you see from here? The Torah compares an Amma Ivriya wife. When I say Amma Ivriya wife, a wife can never be an Amma Ivriya, and an Amma Ivriya can never be a wife. In other words, you can have an Amma Ivriya, and then once you marry her, she's your wife. She's not an Amma Ivriya. The point over here is the Torah is saying, if you marry someone else, do not mistreat the first wife. So the Gemara says, Hikisha Kosov Lacharas. The Torah equates the Amma Ivriya wife to a quote-unquote regular wife. How so? Macharas Makani Bishtar. Just like a regular woman, you can marry her with a shtar. So af bishtar. So to an amayvriya could be acquired with a shtar as well. So here you see that an evet, that a servant, the Jewish servant, could be acquired with a shtar. Okay. So honey chalmanda amar shtar amayvriya adon kosvo. So they will say that's fine according to the opinion that says that when purchasing an amayvriya with a shtar with a document, who writes that? The master writes it. The master writes it. Elman de Amar, in other words, the one acquiring the Amo Ivriya. Elman de Amar av Kosvo. But according to the opinion that says that no, it's the father. Because we're supposed to remember again, how, who are you purchasing an Amo Ivriya from? From her father. So ultimately, according to the opinion that says that it is the father who goes ahead and writes the Shtar, my Ikalamimar, then I both say, see, here's what's interesting. If you say that it's the Adon who writes the Shtar, then the cases are similar. The same way that the master writes the shtar to acquire the Amo Ivriya. So we'll say that resembles, so to speak, an act of Kiddushin, where it's the husband who writes the shtar, right? The person, so to speak, acquiring. Acquiring rights is the person who writes the shtar. If you say, however, that by Amo Ivriya, it is the father who writes the shtar, then in that case, again, it is not comparable to the case of Kiddushin. So to which the Gemara says, the itmar, the itmar, shtar ivriya mikosvo, when purchasing an ama ivriya, who writes that document? Rafuna amar adon kosvo. Rafuna says, it is the master who goes ahead and writes it. Ravchista amar av kosvo. Ravchista says, no, it's the father who writes it. Sahani chal Rafuna. So I will say, so therefore again, this whole discussion makes sense, coin Rafuna, because then you could say that the shtar kidushin is like the Shtar Amma Ivriya. Al Rav Chista, according to Rav Chista, ultimately again, the Shtar Kiddushin is not like the Shtar Amma Ivriya, because the Shtar Amma Ivriya is written by the father, whereas the Shtar Kiddushin ultimately again is written by the husband. So again, remember, let's, let's stay focused. We're trying to figure out over here, from where do we know that you could acquire an Eved with a Shtar? That, that, that's Eved Ivri. Let's try to figure out how do we know that you could acquire a Jewish servant with a shtar? So the Gemara says, Amr of Achabar Yaakov, Amr Kra, Lo Seitzei Kitzei Sa'avadim. So the Torah says, once again speaking about an Amo, 
that an amo does not does not go free like a regular servant. Like a regular servant. But say, remember again, we spoke, we're going to speak about this in greater depth. That Allah we're going to see, for example, an Evid Kinani, an Evid Kinani, a non-Jewish servant, goes out by Rashi Ivarim. Right? If you injure him in one of the 24, you know, extremities, so to speak. You cut off his finger. Right? You blind his eye. We're talking about even accidentally. Right? So Allah Evid Kinani automatically goes free with any of these types of injuries. An Evid Ifri, on the other hand, or an Amma Ivriya, does not. Does not. That's what it means when it says, Lo She does not go out like a non-Jewish servant. She, she does not achieve emancipation like a non-Jewish servant. Aval, But she is acquired, even though she is not emancipated, ultimately again, like Gentile servants. Halacha She can be acquired like Gentile servants. How so? What does that mean? Shtar. Document. You just like you could acquire a non-Jewish servant with a shtar, so too you could acquire an ama ivria with a shtar as well. So the Gemara says that's so say that's that's the source for shtar. I ve'ima aval niknis he kikinin avadim omaniu chazaka. Maybe not. Maybe it's referring to chazaka to a proprietary act, and the same way that you could acquire an evad with a chazaka. I want to say right, some act demonstrative of ownership, so too you could acquire an ama ivria with chazaka as well. Remember again, here lies the fundamental distinction between an Evid Kenani and an Evid Ivri. We'll say an Evid Kenani, interestingly enough, is passed down to one's children. So if I own an Evid Kenani, I own a Gentile servant when I die, so ultimately that's property. That's property, and the property is passed down to my children. That stands in contradistinction to a Jewish servant who is not property. Who's not property? And therefore, what happens if the master dies? What happens if the master dies? The Eved goes free. The Eved goes free. So the Master of says, so the fact that an Eved Kenani is property, that's why you could acquire an Eved Kenani with Chazaka. With Chazaka. But an Eved Ivri, or in this case an Amma Ivriya, who is not property, cannot be acquired with Chazaka. I so maybe you should say that only an Evid Kinani can be acquired with Shtar, but no one else can be acquired with Shtar. So Haksiv, The Pasik says she does not go out like a Gentile servant, which we infer from that means she doesn't go out like them, but she can be acquired like them. So just like an Evid Kinani could be acquired with a Shtar. So to an Amo Ivriya, and by extension, Evid Ivri could be acquired with a shtar. Umarois, how do you know about say, what to include, what to exclude? Mistabra shtar havalei say It makes sense, it makes sense to include shtar amongst the mechanisms which can be used to acquire an Evid. Why? So the Gemara says, Shekain motziyah babas Yisrael. say because we see that a shtar works in other contexts. For example, a shtar affects divorce. Shtar affects divorce. Adra, because it's just the opposite. Chazaka havelev rebuye. We should go ahead and include the case of Chazaka. Why? Shekin kone benichse hager. Because we'll say Shtar works in other situations. For example, nichse hager. And I will say, nichse hager is an interesting situation. In general, when a person dies, there's always an inheritor. Right? Because every single person has a relative. We'll say there's only one case of a person who dies 
potentially with no relatives. Who is that person? A okay. right? Because remember again, if a person converts, it's, you, you could have a situation where they don't have any quote-unquote Jewish relatives. As such, when they die, their property becomes Hefker, ownerless. And as such, anyone who takes possession of it ultimately owns it. So the Gemara says, so the Gemara says, Okay, well, say, but you don't find Chazaka ultimately working in a marital context. So because you don't find, so because you don't find Chazaka working in a marital context, that's why I can't be referring to Chazaka. Fine. The other possibility is, what ultimately, again, do we need the Pasuk of Emacharis Yikachlo? Rav Huna, Selimar says, Rav Huna, Hai Loteitse Ketsei Savodim, my Darishbe. What does Rav Huna do with the phrase, Loteitse Ketsei Savodim? That she doesn't go out ultimately again like a typical servant. What does he do with that? Homi Baile, Sheina Yotza, Berashe Evarim Keeved. So I will say, he uses that again, Pashat Pshat, Pashat Pshat, that in Amma Ivriya, does not go out Barashe Evarim. I will say, take a quick quick look at Rashi. See Rashi, Lo Seitse Ketsei Savodim, it's actually all the way on top, the last wide line in Rashi. Lo Seitse Ketsei Savodim, Rashi writes, Beshein Va'ayin Barashe Evarim Ke'evet Kinani. So let's remember again, an Evet Kinani, if you go ahead and you knock out his eye, you blind his eye, right? Or you knock out his tooth or you accidentally or intentionally cut off any of the extremities, right? So I'll say, what's the halacha? He goes free. He goes free. That's right, he goes free. Interestingly enough, that doesn't apply to an evadivri. Doesn't apply to an evadivri. So the Gemara says, so ultimately, again, Rav Huna will go ahead and use, lo savodim, savodim means that ultimately, on a simple level, whereas an evad kinani goes out by Rashi Barim, if he loses any of the limbs, ultimately again an Ivid Ivri does not. If that's the case, let the Pasuk just say she does not go out like Avodim. My Avodim. Ultimately again, what does it mean Avodim? What does that mean? Going out like the Avodim Shmamina Tarti. So we'll say comes to teach us two things. Number one, number one, that an Evid Ivri ultimately again does not go out. For with the loss of any limbs. And number two, that ultimately, again, although the Evet Ivri does not leave servitude like a Gentile servant, the Evet Ivri can enter servitude like the Gentile servant. Meaning what? The same way the Gentile servant enters with a Shtar, so to an Evet Ivri enters with Shtar as well. So, so here we have the source ultimately, again, of Halacha Lamaisa of Shtar. Good. So now we've conclusively proven that an Evid Ivri could enter servitude with the Shtar. I will say, I'll just show you so something very beautiful. The Shem Yishmuel, the Sakat Shavarebo, so he brings down something interesting. Why is it, from a Hashkafic perspective, why is it that an Evid Kinani goes free if he loses any limb, right, or any part of the body, but yet an Evid Ivri does not? Right, it's an interesting, and now again, the Sum Pshat is, it's a Pasuk. It's a Pasuk, right? The Torah says so. But on a deeper level, why that distinction? Rav says, listen to how beautiful this is. He says, Hatam, Mahuso shall Evid Kinani hu Achomer, Ukishinifkam Echame Rashe Varav, Nifkam Mahuso, Lachin Yosi Lacherus. Rav says, he says, by an Evid Kinani, the entire essence of an Evid Kinani is a physical being. And therefore, again, 
when you damage the physicality of that Eved, by definition, he's allowed to go free. He's allowed to go free. He says, on the flip side, The essence of an Eved Ivri Rabosai is not his physicality. Even in Eved Ivri, the essence of who he is, is his Neshama. If you injure his body, ultimately, again, his essence remains undamaged. It's such a fascinating distinction. The Evid Kinani is considered to be something or someone who is totally physical. And therefore, if you damage him physically, intentionally, unintentionally, there's a penalty. There's a penalty because you've damaged the essence of the person. By the Eved Ivri, his essence is not his physicality. As much as he's an Eved, right? His essence is not defined by his work. His essence is not defined by his physical strength. Even as an Eved Ivri, his essence is still his Neshama. As such, even if you damage him physically, ultimately, again, his essence remains intact and therefore he's not emancipated. I will say just a fundamental distinction in terms of a person could be viewed in one of two ways. A person could be viewed as a physical entity or a person could be viewed as a spiritual entity. It's almost as if these two states of being are called Evid Kinani and Evid Ivri. As an Evid Kinani, I'm a person who's totally defined by physicality. As an Evid Ivri, I'm a person who's at least, if not totally, more, more, more fully defined by my spirituality than my physicality. Such an interesting idea. I will say, I'll just point out on a halachic level, on a halachic level, just to be clear, if you injure an Eved Ivri, even though he does not go free, so to speak, but remember, you're chayv to him in damages, right? Just, just to be clear, right? In other words, because remember, an Eved Ivri is still a full-fledged Jew. So you go ahead and you damage him. Okay, he's not emancipated, but Lamai say you have a whole host of damages that you have to make pay him. Okay, incredible. Let's go back there. So the Konas Asal Bashanim. So remember again, an Eved Ivri works for six years. After six years, he's emancipated. He acquires himself, so to speak, three years. So the Gemara says, Sheish Shanim Yavod Fine. Ube Yovel. Because the Torah says exclusively he'll work for six years and then he's emancipated. How else does he acquire himself? By Yovel. Once the Yovel year comes, he also acquires himself. Dichsev. Ad shnas hayovel yaavod imach. Pasuk says he works until yovel. So we'll say that's talking about the nirzah, the Everett who's pierced. He stays on. He works until yovel. Bigiron kasef. So we'll say giron kasef means literally again a diminution of money. So remember again the way the way eved every works, ama evriya works is remember you're purchasing the eved the ama for a certain amount of money. If the Eved or the Amma want to redeem themselves, I will say, what's the halacha? What's the halacha? We look at the purchase price, divide it by number of years to work, then subtract off number of years worked, and that's the redemption price. I will say, this is very important. In other words, when the Eved or the Amma want to redeem themselves from servitude, or for that matter, someone else wants to redeem them, you know, we don't look at the contemporary servant market, but rather, again, there is a fixed amount of, of redemption. Ultimately, again, redeem her. Redeem her. We learn from here that 
she, the Amiyaviyah, has the ability to buy herself out out of the remainder of her servitude. So the Gemara says, the she could acquire herself through money, through item of value, and with document. So we'll say, so there are three ways that ultimately, again, an Amiyaviyah could go ahead and, and we'll say, remember, whatever applies to an Amiyaviyah is going to apply to an Evidivri as well. There are three ways in which she could gain her emancipation. Kasef, buy her way out with money, Shava Kasef, provide an item of value to buy her way out, and Shtar, a document of emancipation. So Bishlam Kasef, Dirsev Mi Kasef, Miknaso. So I understand that Kasef, money could be used to acquire her redemption. Why? So it's Mi Kasef, Miknaso. Shava Kasef, Nami, an item worth, an item of value as well. That makes sense. Why? Yashiv Gu'ula So, Amr Rahmana. The rabbis, Shavah Kesef Kikesef. The phrase, Yashiv Gu'ula, so you will give his redemption, that comes to include that it doesn't just have to be cash with which you could acquire redemption, but rather even something worth cash. Elahai Shtar Hechidami. The will say, what's the case of Shtar? What's the case of Shtar? So, Ilema the Kasevli Shtara Adame. So, if we're talking about a case where what? Where the Adon writes... Or where, or star, I should say, star for the value of the evidence written. For example, I will say, let's say the Amo Ivriya says, okay, there's a thousand dollars left on my contract. I hereby write to you a star, and I owe you, and I owe you, right? So go ahead, I, I owe you a thousand dollars. I'll pay later on. So Hainu Kesef, that's the same case of Kesef. Elo Shichrer, Elo Shichrer. So rather, I will say, it has to be that the case of star is a star Shichrer. Where the owner, the owner, the master is writing a document of emancipation. I will say, but Shtar Lamali, why do I need a document of emancipation? Just let the master say in front of two people, zeal, go. I will say, why do you need a document of emancipation? Just let the master say in front of two witnesses, you are free. You're free. Or let him say in front of a Bezdin, zeal, you're free. Why do you need a document? So Amarava Zosomaristis teaches us Evid Ivri Gufo Kanui. This teaches us that an Evid Ivri, ultimately again his body is acquired by the master. And therefore again a master who is Mochel who forgives, ultimately again his remaining claim, the claim is not forgiven. I both say this is very interesting. If you remember again, up until now, we just did this a few minutes ago, one of the fundamental distinctions between Evid Kinani and Evid Ivri is what? An Evid Kinani is a possession, is property, property. He's like Karka, he's like land. And therefore, again, even if the master dies, so ultimately, what happens to an Evid Kinani? What happens to an Evid Kinani when his master dies? Passed on to the next generation. We've been contrasting that with an Evid Ivri. That an Evid Ivri essentially is like an employee. An employee, he works for you, you don't own him. Baharaya, Baharaya, the proof to that is, what happens if you own an Evid Ivri and you die? What happens to your Evid Ivri? He goes free, he's emancipated. With that being said, I will say, there is some level of lean against the body of the Evid, right? When you acquire an Evid Ivri, there is some lean. It's not ownership. You don't own his person. You don't own his person. As opposed ultimately to an Evid Kinani, where you do own the person, but inevitably you don't own the person, but you have, you have what we'll call some level of shibud haguf, of just claim or lean, literally again against his body. 
They both say, because he, he works for you. In other words, you, which, essentially what you could do, what you could really say is, you own his labor, but you don't own his body. So they both say, that's a heightened claim. In other words, when someone works for you, when someone works for you, they both say, right, you, you, have, you have a business, you have an employee. What do you own of your employee? What do you own? Nothing. You don't, own, you don't own anything of your employee, right? You might have an entitlement to services, but you own nothing. When you have an Eved Ivri there is a quasi-level of ownership. What do you own? What do you own? You own his labor. You own his labor. And that creates, what the Gemara calls, a quasi-claim against his guf. A quasi-claim against guf. Now, the, why is this important? Because because you have a heightened level of ownership in an Eved Ivri, simply saying, all is forgiven, you are free, is not enough. When you have that heightened level of ownership, in order to divest yourself of that ownership, you need something more significant and concrete. So this is actually very interesting. So if you want to emancipate your evidence, what the Gemara is saying is, saying you're free. You're free is not enough. Even if you say it in front of two witnesses, even if you say it in front of a Beisdin, it's not enough, it's fascinating. Because there is a heightened level of ownership, there has to either be money that exchanges hands, i.e. the Ebed redeems himself, right? Or, shtar. Or shtar. I mean, it's not true. At the end of six years, the Torah says, you no longer have heightened ownership. By Yovel, the Torah says, you no longer have heightened ownership. But Lamaisa, but Lamaisa, right? If, if, it's, if it's not one of those, then either you need Kasef, you need money, or you need the shtar. I'll give you a good example of this. We've, we've seen this before, by the way. Let's say, remember the case we had a little while ago? I don't know which sect it was. It must have been a game. Remember we had this case where Ruben and Shimon are partners, right? And Ruben decides he no longer wants to be Shimon's partner. So what does Ruben say? I'm done. I'm done. We'll say, what's the halacha in a case like that? What's the case? It doesn't work, right? It doesn't work. Why? Because when you are vested in something, when you're vested in something, I will say, in order to divest yourself of that, you need something more formal. Just saying, I'm done, I'm out, right? That, that, that doesn't work. So we'll say, so in a partnership, in other words, there is a way to divest yourself of the partnership interest, but it's going to be something more involved and more formal. So, so it's when, you have an, when you own an Eved Ivra, we'll say, there is a heightened level of ownership in the labor of that person. So just saying, you're free, we're done, that doesn't work. There has to be Kesef, or there has to be Shtar. Incredible. So the Gemara says, Yisayra alav, ama ivriya. So let's remember again, ama ivriya has even another form of emancipation, in that ama ivriya goes out once she displays signs of physical maturation. Ama ivriya kones asav misa sa'av. Lakish says something amazing. Comes along Rish Lakish, and Rish Lakish says, an Ama Ivriya acquires herself when her father dies. Say, so j- just to illustrate this, remember, how do you get into a case in Ama Ivriya? How do you get into a case of Ama Ivriya? Father sells his daughter as an Ama. That's the only case of Ama Ivriya. Says so say, now when could a father do this? Obviously, this is either when she's a Kitana or Nara, right? But ultimately, again, really has to be a katana, right? Because once she becomes a nara and displays signs of naros, ultimately, again, she goes free. So, so now Rish Lakish says something amazing. Rish Lakish says, the father, therefore, sold her as an amoivriya. When the father dies, she's automatically emancipated. Incredible. So where do we know this from? Where do we know this from? So the Gemara says, so, Mikavach Omer, 
Now, normally, again, we'll say simonin, developing signs of physical maturation, do not remove a girl from her father's domain. Yet in servitude, again, in Amma once she displays signs of physical maturation, she goes free. So then, I will say, again, based on that, Misa death of the father, which definitely removes her from the domain of the father. As we will say, when the father dies, let's say, again, there are brothers, there are sons, those sons do not inherit any rights in their sister. Once a father dies, that girl is fully independent and autonomous. And so I will say, if death removes her from the domain of her father, she definitely removes her from the domain of her master. So I will say, see here, her Kabachomer is like this. Simanim, which do not remove her from the rishus of her father, remove her from the rishus of her master, Therefore, death of the father, which does remove her from the rishus of the father, should certainly remove her from the rishus of the Adon as well. Okay? So, Amoivriya has, has a certain element above and beyond Evidivri. Why? She acquires herself with Simonin. I, V, E, Isa, if you're correct, Rish Lakish, Nisni Nami Misa Sa'av, also including that death of the father. That's also, in other words, remember, that would be an additional way that Amma Ivriya acquires herself, that an Eved Ivri doesn't have. An Amma Ivriya acquires herself with the death of her father, but yet an Eved Ivri does not. To which the Umar says, Tana Bashir, you're right, the Tana didn't include a full list of mechanisms for emancipation. So my shear, what else did it leave off? So the Gemara says, the high shear, shear misas ha'adon, it left off the death of the master. For example, again, death of the master is also a mechanism of emancipation. Imisha misas ha'adon lav shira. The Gemara says, if that's the case, that's not really something he left off. Why? Because remember again, since the death of the master works for both an Evet and an Amo, it didn't include it in this list. Valenisni said, why not go ahead and include this? Rachel Lakish, if you are correct, that the death of the father allows for emancipation of the Amma Ivriya, why not include that in the list of mechanisms of emancipation for an Amma Ivriya? Tana Davashiyesh Lo Kitzba. So, sorry, Tana, Tana Davashiyesh Lo Kitzba Katani, Davashiyesh Lo Kitzba Lo Katani. I will say, ultimately, again, the Tana only included things which by definition are defined, defined. So for example, I will say, simanim are defined, right? A girl is going to, sp- is going to display signs of physical maturation. Death of the father may or may not occur. So he only included items that are definite and are going to occur. So the Gemara says, simanim one second, I will say, so simanim, don't have a defined or specific time. What that means is you don't know when a girl is going to display signs of physical maturation. Interestingly enough, simanim, simanim, I will say, they don't have, they don't have a ceiling. In other words, any time after a girl reaches 13 years, which is really 12 years old in one day, any time after that, if she displays signs of physical maturation, those are halachically significant. But Rabbi says, we're going to see, there is a kitzbah, there is a sheer, an amount, or I should say, a definition for how young she could be. Rabbi says, we're going to see 
physical signs of maturation are only meaningful after she's reached a certain age. Before that age, they are considered to be insignificant. The Gemara says, let's see it. Tazayim, Rebbe 16b, Desanya. Top first line, 16b, Desanya, because we learned in the Bray Saw, Ben Teisha Shanam Shehevich Saros. If you have a girl who is nine years old, nine years old, and she sprouted two hairs, most rabbis talk about two hairs in the pubic area. So I'll say, Swat Talacha, Shuma. I will say, we do not assume that those are signs of physical maturation. Rather, we attribute it to a mole. A mole. In other words, it's hair for different reasons, but it's not signs of physical maturation. Miben tes shanad yom echad. But from the age of nine years old in one day, ad ben yud beiz shanad yom echad, but up through 12 years old in one day, va'odan bo, and the hair is still there, shuma, those are attributed to a mole. Rabbi Yosef Yehuda Omer Simen, Rabbi Yehuda, I'm sorry, Rabbi Yosef Yehuda Omer Simen, Rabbi says, no, 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 if the hair remains there, through the age of 12 years old in one day, at that point in time, we assume it's a sign of physical maturation. Ben Yud Gimel But at the age of 13 years old in one day, Divriyah calls Simon. Everyone agrees that Allah this is a sign of physical maturation. So we'll say, so the point over here is with Simanim, as much as there's no ceiling. In other words, that from whatever age, above 13 years old, she goes out and develops these Simanim. They are significant, there is a limitation in that if she sprouts them when she's very young, we don't look at that as signs of physical maturation. So Master Rav says, Rabbi Shimon says, Dalid So remember again, right now our whole sugya is focused on this statement of Reish Lakish, right? What does Reish Lakish say? Reish Lakish says that Allah an Amma Ivriya, so you have a girl who was sold into servitude. Remember again, how was she sold in as an Amma Ivriya? Who sold her? Who sold her? Her father. Reish Lakish says, if her father dies, if her father dies, she goes free. That is another mechanism of emancipation for an Amma Ivriya. So this is what we're discussing and challenging now. Okay, so Gemara says, Masiv Rav Sheshes, so Rav Sheshes raised the Kasha. Rav Sheshes says, Dalid Ma'anikimahem. There are four people who receive Hanaka. Now, let's remember again, what's Hanaka? We spoke about this yesterday's daf already. Hanaka is upon emancipation. A master is obligated to give his servant, to give his evid or his amo, ultimately again, gifts. Hanaka gifts. We'll get more, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss it in greater depth. Gimel Be'ish, the Gimel Be'isha. Ultimately, again, there are three cases that apply to a man and three cases that apply to a woman. But no four cases, no, no four categories apply to either one. Because remember again, there are certain mechanisms of emancipation that apply to a woman that don't apply to a man. For example, simanim, signs of physical maturation. That is a mechanism of emancipation for a woman, but does not apply to a man. And conversely, piercing of the ear. So you only pierce an Eved, you don't pierce an Amo. So there are four categories, so to speak, of emancipation that warrant Hanaka, but no four categories, no, no four, the full four categories apply to neither a man nor a woman, because there's a fourth that is gender-specific, right? There's a fourth, i.e., again, simonim, which only applies to a woman, ritzia, which only applies to a man. Okay, so now one second, Reish Lakish, if you are right, nisni nami misas av. Reish Lakish, according to you, 
there should be another mechanism of emancipation that should allow for Arnaka, namely what? Death of the father. That if you have an Amavriya and her father dies, she goes free, and upon emancipation, what should happen? She should receive Hanukkah, these gifts. The fact that it's not included in this list indicates to us what? That obviously, it's wrong. <laughs> obviously, it's not true. I maybe you'll say over here, you're right, this list was not meant to be exhaustive. In other words, we'll say the Tana included certain things and excluded others. I, Baha'ar, Ba'akatani. That's not what the Bryce said. The Bryce did say there are four, four, me- sorry, four mechanisms of emancipation which ultimately result in Hanaka. Right? Salach says, sounds like it's an all inclusive list. Maybe you'll say this, we'll say like we said before. Maybe the Tana is only including items, kitzvah, that have a defined measure. We'll say defined measure means they're definitely going to happen. Right? They, they, have, they have definition to them. But items that don't have definition, for example, the death of the father, which may or may not occur, perhaps the Tana does not include. I have a simonim deinlan kitzvah vikatani. So most of the things are what about simonim? Right, simonim, a girl could develop signs of physical maturation at different times. It doesn't necessarily have that level of definition. No, we can't say we said before, but sir, safra is what we said before, that you're right. Simonim maybe don't have a kitzvah lamala. In other words, at any age that she develops them, they're significant, but they do have a floor. In other words, for example, anything below the age of nine or 12, depending on the particular opinion, will be insignificant. What about death of the master? Death of the master, we'll say, is an item that doesn't have definition to it, doesn't have defined time, and yet it's included in this list. You're right, take out, take out the, the master from this list as well. If that's the case, what are the four mechanisms of emancipation that allow for Hanaka? Shanim, years, in other words, after six years. Yovel, we'll say Stama Yovel year, right? In other words, we we'll remember again, the Yovel case is, we saw this yesterday, let's say you buy an Eved three years before Yovel. When does he go free? When does he go free? Yovel. So there's a stam six years. That's, that's the usual minimum of servitude. But then the exception to that will be if Yovel comes. Yovel shall ritzia. Then I will say there's the Yovel after piercing. So that's an Eved who served his time, wanted to stay on, get his ears pierced, and then he remains until Yovel. And I will say for a woman, for a girl, she goes out ultimately again with signs of physical maturation. Those will be the four categories of emancipation which ultimately warrant Hanukkah. This would seem to be clear. Look at the end of that price. You cannot apply all four categories to either an Evet or an Amal. Why? Because signs of physical maturation do not, are, not a form of, are not a mechanism of emancipation for an Evet. And ultimately again, piercing doesn't apply to a woman. Now again, but if it was true that we were including ultimately these other cases, then you should have even four cases that apply to a woman. Good. So we'll say, so, okay, fine. So we're still with Rish Lakish. So with Rish Lakish. Still, right, still keeping on task over here, picking up a lot of interesting information along the way, but we're still saddled, not saddled, we're still trying to contemplate this position of Rish Lakish. 
If her father dies, ultimately again she will go free. I ask the Gemara again, Master Vavamram, Savam raised the Kasha, the Elum These are the people ultimately again who receive Ha'anaka. Who are they? Hayotse Bashanim Ubi Yobel Ubamisa Saadom. Anyone of us say goes free. Shanim, remember again, what Shanim? Six years. Yovel is Yovel year. Misa Saadom, death of the master. And by Amoivriya, she has a fourth, Bisimanim. Right? Ultimately, again, signs of physical maturation. If you're right, that death of the father allows for emancipation of the Amoivriya, Nisni Nami Amisas Av, why don't you include in this also death of the father? If you're correct, then why isn't your, why isn't your example included? The Chitema Tana Bashir. So we'll say once again, we're having a lot of the same conversation here. Maybe the Tana, maybe the Tana included certain things and ultimately again left certain things off the list. I Baha Elu Katani. Rabbi said the Lashon of the Braise is Elu Manikim. These are the cases, let's see, which sounds like the Braise is creating an exhaustive list. Maybe you'll say only something that has a def- has definition to it is included. Something that's not fully defined is ultimately not included. So we'll say once again, What about simanim? Because we'll say once again, simanim. You don't know when they're going to occur, and yet it's still included. Okay, we'll answer up like Rav Safra. You're right. There's, there's no kitzvah ultimately lamala. In other words, whatever age she gets simanim, fine, but there is a kitzvah lemata. In other words, there is a basic age that she has to pass in order for the simanim to be significant. To which the Gemara says, Ha'ika misas adon. There's also the case of the death of the master. Tiyufta dereish lakish tiyufta. I will say, essentially, what you see from here is the fact that the fact that Lakish's example of death of the father is not included in any of these lists indicates that what? No one accepts it. So I will say, so where we are holding right now in this, in this sugi is you have Rish Lakish who says that halacha death of the father, death of the father ultimately results in emancipation of the Amevriya. What we keep seeing over and over and over, I will say, is all of these lists which talk about what emancipates an Eved or an Amma, right? Or what emancipates an Amma. And really the way that manifests itself is we have these lists that say, when does an Eved receive Ha'anaka? When does an Amma, right? When does an Amma receive these gifts upon emancipation? Which is another way of saying, what causes emancipation? List after list after list. What's not included in any of the lists? So we'll say, what's not included in any of the lists? Death of the Father. Which then leads us to one logical conclusion, which is, Rishlagish, you're wrong. And death of the Father does not, does not, Create emancipation. I, the Gemara says, but one second, one second. What about the fact? What about the fact? Remember again, what was his kavachomer? His kavachomer was his kavachomer was that if simanim, which do not remove a girl from her father's domain, do remove her from the adon, then death of the father, which does remove her from her father's domain, should certainly watch. Remove her from the domain of the Adam. What about that Kavachomer? To which the Gemara says, Amar Kavachomer Prichahi. It's not a good Kavachomer. There's a problem with Kavachomer also. What's wrong with Kavachomer? Because you can ask him Kavachomer, Malasimanim Shinishtan Ahaguf. Simanim are different. So why are Simanim different? Because with Simanim, the actual body of the girl has changed. 
Tomar Bebisa Sa'av Shikinon Ishtan Hagof. With the death of the father, the body of the girl has not changed. In other words, you're comparing apples and oranges. Simonim Mamish represent a literal physical change in the Amo Ibriya. Death of the father doesn't represent any level of physical change. Fine. I will say, bottom line, we reject the view of Reish Lakish, and therefore death of the father does not result in emancipation of the Amo Ibriya. Good. Tanichada, one Bryce says, Anak Evet Ivri Liatzmo. So it was an interesting question, an interesting discussion over here. Who gets Hanaka? Right? So again, Evet is emancipated, Evet is, and again, so it's what say, what are the, now, here's what we do know. What are the forms of emancipation? Again, here's what we have. Death of the master, death of the master, Shanim, six years, Yovel, Yovel year, and for Amma Ivriya, we have also what? Simanim. So now when, they, when you're emancipated, the Adon is obligated to give you these gifts, what we call Hanaka. Who gets the Hanaka? Who, who gets to keep it? So Anak Evadivri Liatzmo, when Evadivri gets the Hanaka, it's his. The Anak Amoivri Liatzmo, and the Hanaka of an Amoivriya belongs to her. The Tanya Idach, another Bryce says, Anak Amoivriya Mitsyasalavia, no Hanaka of an Amoivriya, as well as anything she finds, goes to her father. The Ain Lerabo Elishar Batala Bilbad. So I will say, interestingly enough, Interesting enough, so we'll say, say here we have two conflicting Bryce's. Bryce number one says that Hanaka goes to the Evet himself or to the Amma herself. Bryce number two says Hanaka, you're right, goes to the Evet, but for an Amma Ivriya, Danaka goes to her father. Goes to her father. Not only that, you're saying, if an Amma Ivriya finds something, a Metziah, who does that go to? It goes to her father. So what does the master get? The master gets what we call Schar Batala. Schar Batala means that Lameisa, at the time that the Amma was finding or receiving the lost object, she could have been working. There's, so to speak, lost, lost labor for the Adon. He gets compensated for lost labor, but the father gets to keep, ultimately, again, the lost object. Quite fascinating. So my love, my love, Hadinafka Bisimanim, Hadinafka Labimisasa. So are we not talking about a case of one is where she's going out with Simanim and one is with the death of the father? Lo, both are a case ultimately again which is being emancipated because of Simanim. Ultimately again, one is talking about a case where the father is alive. The father is not alive. If the father is alive, he gets the Hanaga. If the father is not alive, she keeps Hanaga. So we'll stop over here for today. We're going to pick up with this interesting sugi tomorrow. We'll say about, again, upon emancipation, who gets to keep the Hanaga? Shkoyach.